What's up, everybody? It's Chad from Ask Chad Grassy Logic. I'm here today with my buddy Coco Dean. Um, he's a photographer in the industry, but oh, I'll give him the chance to tell you guys a little more about that today. Um, today's episode is called Medical Cannabis is Dying, Psilocybin Advisory Group, and UNM did it again with another study. So uh, let's just get jump in it. Let's just jump into it. And I'll let Coco and you know Dean introduce himself and tell you what he is and what he does. What's up, guys? Yep, I'm Coco. I own Four Seas Cannabis. And uh, yeah, we're a photography company. Uh, we do, you know, some basic marketing and stuff for uh, different dispensaries and grows and mm -hmm. things like that. So we shoot products. We shoot with like some of the micro influencers around town. Um, I mean, pretty much if your business or whatever needs it, we can shoot it. Like okay. we do corporate headshots. Yeah. Uh, like, you know, so we mix it up quite a bit. Yeah. So you know, it's, it's been good. It's been yeah. fun. I've really enjoyed our break into the industry. I love the cannabis industry. Obviously, I'm a cannabis patient, enthusiast, yeah. Yeah. Uh, way more than just a cannabis photographer. You know, I, <laughs> I, I, I dig being able to see all the people and connecting with people and stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the industry has been very good to us so far. Nice. Yeah. yeah. I'm glad to hear that, you know, because, you know, I met you guys through um, the Southwest Trade Association mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, through the meetings and everything. And you guys were there taking photos. And, you know, it was really cool to connect with you guys and see at all these different events. Have you guys, um, really been taking more photos of products or has it been more like places photos or it's pretty balanced dude like yeah. so it, i love the southwest cannabis trade association things and the events because like you know part of me is like i want to be out there you know between my wife and i of course like documenting what's happening because yeah. you know we've talked about this before it's like it may not feel like it right now but like this is all kind of his historical this is all brand new brand new industry you know new people coming up like at some time down the road it's going to be like, you know, they're going to need to remember that so have somebody that chronicled what really happened. Yeah. Who was at the meetings? Who was there? Who was talking? Who were the major players? Who was helping with legislation? Those kinds of things. And so, like, I'm glad that we've kind of been able to kind of fill that need in the industry and kind of, you know, have a lot of photos of the people. But then, yes, we do the products and that keeps us busy. And uh, but, yeah, the, it, it's been a pretty even balance to answer your question. Like and uh, all that's fun. I like all of it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, well, how long have you guys been doing the photography and all this stuff with the cannabis industry here? Were you guys on the medical side too? Or yeah, just... so we've been doing photography since, like professionally since 2013. We've worked, okay. you know, in the wedding industry. We've worked uh, with families and we still do. We still have a, a, a side of our business that is that. Yeah. But with cannabis, we started and I always get the dates wrong because COVID always screws me up. <laughs> but uh, 2021, it was January 2021 when the idea for Four Cs came about. Like, okay. We, uh, we had just gotten our medical cards like in December, 2020. And it was like, you know, it was like, Oh, but a friend that reached out to us and was like, he's a cannabis photographer up in Albuquerque. And he was just like, Oh yeah. Like we need more creatives in this space. Like, and this is still when it's just medical. Yeah. yeah. So that's really when we started, we started connecting with some of the, uh, the medical the, the legacy dudes and uh, getting that done. And yeah, so we've been doing it now since then. And it's just, dude, it's been like, it's taken off so fast it's crazy yeah and you know what and i think you uh, connected me with your buddy from albuquerque a while back uh, uh yeah, yeah um uh, reese yes reese yeah, harper yeah, reese. heart of yeah, cannabis yeah. great guy yeah yeah and uh yeah so that was he was the one that kind of ushered us in and it was really cool because that's what we found in the industry is like we found a lot of very welcoming people mm -hmm. who like were kind of happy to share with us like what they're doing and trying to bring you know more people into that space and so we kind of now in that light also like i'm telling more people like dude if they're creatives come into the space we need more like yeah, i'm not like definitely. holding so tight to like oh there's competitions like nah dude like there's a lot of work to be done this pie's so big yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, could, we could definitely use some help so yeah. if anybody's watching help. who's a photographer or a videographer or a creative of any kind artist whatever dude 
we we need you in this industry and that's true definitely i mean because one of the reasons is that it's so restrictive on the federal front for advertising, even on the state front, mm -hmm. that, you know, creatives and everything are kind of needed to get around those, you know, using social media, um, other fronts, too, to kind of get in there. So, I mean, creatives and everything, even photographers, um, you know, that's it's great because you need a picture of your product. I mean, I appreciate when someone's selling something and it's the picture of one of the buzz that's in the jar mm -hmm. or in the product and it's not some stock photo. Right. Yeah. I agree with that. I mean, of course, I would agree with that because it's, <laughs> that's, that's a little bias. Kind of right. bias. Like, <laughs> yeah, dude, it's cool to be able to see the quality of like what you're actually going to go into the store and get. Yeah. Not just like some random, you know, bud or, you know, on the on the plant itself from like whatever random grow. Yeah. It's like, no, no, this is what you can actually expect to see the quality you can get, get to see, you know, how good the trichomes look, how good, you know, everything the shape is and just the overall quality of that particular product. I agree with that 100 percent. Nice. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, me too. And you know, like, uh, do you guys ever like show your setups and stuff? Cause I always find it very intriguing to see like, you know, photography setups. Cause sometimes you have like this amazing photo where you like zoom out and you look at the whole thing. You're like, Oh, that's so cool. The way they did that. You yeah. Know, it's so simple. On our Instagram, we do um, like my wife, truly my wife is like the main creative. Like she's taught me how to shoot, but like, she's like, she's the baller. Right. Yeah. But she'll do where she'll do like time lapses of everything she's doing, how she's like, creating like her you know if it's like flat lay work where she has to do a lot of like set design and yeah. stuff which sounds funny but your little you know little sets like you know this big yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. but like yeah she'll do time lapses of her setting everything up shooting it and then like you get to see sort of that big picture and sort of like everything that goes into it she'll even like show her editing you know sort of her editing process and stuff in those behind the scenes which is really cool and then uh yeah then usually at the end of those videos we'll do a flash of like several of the finished product photos ah, okay. and you get to sort of see that before and after so yeah we do that and it's cool it's it's uh it's neat to see how it all comes together. No, it is. It's like the behind the scenes kind of look. Mm -hmm. and, and real quick before I forget, you know, how can people find you like, you know, social media and everything? Yeah. So we, we have a website. It's www.4cscannabis.com um, and on Instagram at 4cscannabis. So it's F-O-U-R, the number four, C's like oceans and then cannabis. Okay, cool. Yeah. And I appreciate you, you know, enunciating it like that because, you know, some people like, like a four C, like, like you know, yeah, four I see you, like right, right, and it is. It's a play on words, and yeah, it's, yeah. So it, it can get a little murky. Yeah, so. yeah. But I, I found it clever, and I like it. You know, I really love what you guys do, and of course, you know, I follow and see what you guys do. Appreciate that, man. You know, it, it is needed what you guys do in the industry, and I think it's kind of overlooked sometimes. And you know, that's one reason I wanted to highlight some of the, you know, not just the dispensaries, the grows, you know, all that stuff. Mm. You know, there's other people in the industry who work outside of that. Right. Um, who really make this industry thrive. Yeah. Ancillary, some people say, or, or like yeah. a cannabis adjacent. And <laughs> yes. yeah. And, and there's, there's a lot of us, you know, you're talking about you know, photographers, people that do insurance, banking, you know, all the, yeah. all the necessary things, lawyers, all that, whatever. I'm not saying, you know, elevating us to <laughs> that sort of like yeah. you know, professional, you know, professionalism or whatever, but it is important. It is a part of it. I think that cannabis businesses that are looking to stay in the market, stay competitive and stay relevant. They need to focus a good amount into their marketing. I yeah. know when the industry, especially the the adult use, the rec industry came about, it wasn't hard to move product off the shelves. No, there was there was is not as it wasn't as saturated then as it is now, and there was a huge high demand. The demand still exists, but it's becoming more and more saturated every day. Yeah. So how do you stand out? And there's there's a multitude of ways to do that. Some host events, some sponsor things, some you know. But like having good quality. Uh, creative work on your website, on your social media, um, showing your product, you know, can be as important as having some of the best strains even. Yeah. because the way you bring it to your, your market, to your clients and stuff 
can have a pretty big impact on whether or not you're going to be successful and, you know, those feet are going to come through the doors. Yeah, definitely. You know, I agree, you know, because I've seen it at the stores, you know, like a lot of, uh, of the foot traffic that I once saw before really isn't there anymore because it's so saturated. Mm -hmm. This is what I said um, needed to happen on the medical side, but not at this, you know, rate. We just needed more, you know, dispensaries because there wasn't enough. Right. And, you know, to be honest, we'll get to the medical cannabis thing here in a little bit mm -hmm. because, you know, there is some issues in our program and it's been a while. Um, so, is there anything else you really want to talk about with, you know, the, the ancillary business that you've been running and everything before we, you know, get on to the next topics? No, I mean, I think I've pretty well covered it. I mean, it's, uh, it's fun what we do. I enjoy it a lot. And uh, I've had a lot of fun connecting with the local businesses, you know, on up to, you know, some of the other statewide businesses that we've yeah. gotten to kind of connect with. And uh, I just hope that if you are a business owner and you're watching and, you know, I know like, you know, they put so much into, getting everything built, get everything, everything established, getting their doors open, all the regulations. Like, yeah, there's, it's, it's a lot to consider, yeah. but consider your marketing because it is important. No, I agree. You know, if you're not really, uh, having a budget for your marketing, you know, you're, you're doing it the wrong way. You know, this isn't, you know, year 2000, 2001, mm -hmm. you know, where it has to be super kind of secretive. Cause I mean, we got our program around 2007 is when, you know, they passed the bill and everything, but even years after that, going into it, even when I joined in 2013, mm -hmm. it was still very hush hush and, you know, kind right. Of scary. So, Didn't want to make a, make a lot of splashes. Yeah. So with that being said, guys, thank you so much for sharing with that. At the end, we'll, we'll give you another chance to plug your business. No worries, man. No worries. Um, so we're going to move on to um, our next topic, our first topic, actually. It's a very important one. It's uh, medical cannabis is dying. And what that means is uh, we've had medical cannabis, as I said, since 2007. It was signed by uh, Governor Bill Richardson. And um, after that, the state really kind of uh, had a restrictive mindset when it came to cannabis, simply because of the, the landscape that we were in. They were becoming very restrictive and cracking down a lot of states that had medical programs, California, Colorado, um, those markets, you know, first. And, you know, they were the ones that we saw the most. And um, actually earlier this week, I uh, was interviewed by a Santa Fe based reporter. Um, and he I guess he talked to a couple of people, Duke Rodriguez and a couple of people in the, the industry. And he wanted to talk to you know a patient. You know, I've been around the industry since 2013. And so, you know, I've, I've seen it change you know, exponentially. And you know, I've been a part of it. So it was really great to be a part of that article. And, you know, and whenever it comes out, guys, it'll be on my social media. Don't worry. Uh, so make sure you give me a follow. So that way, you know, you stay up to date with it. So anyway, um, the, the topic was medical cannabis in New Mexico and where it's really headed. And I've made this prediction before. I'm on record um, stating that historically medical cannabis markets and programs kind of die once mm -hmm. they enter into an adult use market. Right. Um, and simply because to a lot of people. And I'm not saying, you know, it's the majority, but it kind of feels that way, uh, has the mindset that, well, what's the point? Right. You know, I only got this card so I could smoke because a lot of our patients in the program, um, we're only in there just so they can use cannabis legally. Right. And okay, fair enough. But, you know, there are people who actually need it medically. Have severe needs. Yeah, exactly. And I remember, you know, with the last podcast I was a part of, I made a prediction that we were probably going to slash our program about in half mm -hmm. um, within about two years. I think, you know, I have to go back and watch, but, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but yeah, I think I, I said about half um, what it what it was going to say, what it was going to go down to. And to be honest, you know, it kind of seems like we might be heading towards that trend and we might be headed towards that trend, depending if a few things change or don't change. Right. I mean, uh, what, is, what is your kind of thought process on that before I get into the numbers and, you know, tell everybody what I predict now? Well, I think that is a pretty dire prediction. And I, I think I'm seeing what you were talking about, what you're yeah. still talking about. And it's unfortunate because, you know, we we ran on the idea of 
cannabis being an important medicine, particularly for these these patients with severe needs and stuff. And that's what got us to this place, you know, to any place with the legalization of cannabis, because it, it's what it is. It's what it's for. And it is a, a great medicine um, that, you know, can benefit a lot of people. And that's what it was doing during the, the medical, you know, during the, the medical heyday, if you will. Yeah. And now with the focus being primarily on uh, adult use rec, you know, with the tax revenue and stuff like that, of course, money talks and mm -hmm. there is a major shift. And I think that, um, you know, I don't know if a whole lot of consideration is now it's still being given to the patients. And, yeah. I, and I'm speaking as also as a patient myself. I mean, we both existed in that space um, before rec. Yeah. And so, yeah, I would like to see, you know, a, a better, more thriving like just medical market and have more consideration, you know, some protections for patients and things to make sure that they have access at all times, because yeah, it's great. We have, you know, there's a lot of weed on the market and stuff like that, but we need those medical specific products to yeah. make sure that they're reaching these people that need it. Because it's just like if a pharmacy runs out of, you know, a particular person's medication, it's like, that can be devastating. Yeah, and, exactly. that's, and that's a very terrifying place to be when mm -hmm. you are, you know, reliant on this medicine just to be normal. Just yeah. to like, you know, be alive. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, that is, that needs to be at the forefront of the legislator's mind. It needs to be the forefront of the industry's mind to remember that, you know, our patients still need to come first. No, I agree. I agree. 100%. I agree. And that's something that I've said for years is, you know, that the medical cannabis patients in the program really needs to come first. We can't forget it. Mm -hmm. um, I know a lot of times some people in the industry just told me to forget it in the industry, the la la, but you know, it's something that, you know, maybe it is a pipe dream, you know, maybe it's something I'm fighting for that's dying, but it's something that I really want to fight for. And that, you know, it's really, um, I've held close to me because you know how many veterans and everything have, you know, come in this program, how I've helped and uh, who've, you know, told me and come to me and said, you know, this has probably saved my life. Yeah. And so I appreciate you, you know, you know, steering me to the right direction um, with this cannabis thing. And well, and so, I think that the average consumer doesn't understand why it's a big deal. Yeah. Because they say, oh, there's plenty of weed on the market. They can get their weed. It's, yeah, like, it's, it's not the same. No, it's not. A, you know, with the regulations that are on the recreational market, you know, being like 10 milligrams per you know gummy or whatever with a hundred milligram pack being the limit yeah is not enough for a lot of like the real severe uh you know the patients with cancer the they yeah. talk about the veterans and stuff who some of these guys need you know hundreds of milligrams of you know thc or whatever in there that's what they were getting you know with the medical market yeah, with the regiment and yeah so with those products being less and less available it still is a big deal because how can they afford to get to the dosage size they need you know, with at the recreational prices, and when they have to, they have to buy five and six packs for what they were able to get in one pack before. Yeah. yeah. So I don't think people really realize that they, having those medical specific products, you know, lacking availability for these people is, I mean, it's a major concern. Yeah. Um, and more than a concern, it's something that the industry at large just cannot allow to happen. And, you know, I've actually been a big proponent for years, you know, on that too. And, you know, and the industry on the medical side, there's a lot of people who, you know, a couple of dispensary owners that said, we need to have our patients to be able to purchase higher limited, you know, THC, mm. you know, um, caps. There shouldn't be a cap actually for medical patients, in my opinion. Right. Um, you guys feel how you feel, but, you know, just as a patient myself, uh, we would probably benefit more if there was no cap. Because we actually had a THC cap on the medical side for, for a while. It was mm -hmm. actually at 60%, then they bumped it up to 10% to 70%. And what they had to do is dilute everything. And so everything in New Mexico was, you know, quote unquote weak. You know, you mm -hmm. get a pen, it couldn't be above 70%. Right. And so they had to add more additives to it to, you know, kind of cut back to it. 
So finally, they agreed that, you know, that was a little arbitrary and there's really no reason to do that. Right. Because other states have tried that and it didn't work and it really didn't work here. There's a lot of shady stuff going on, you know, mm -hmm. a lot of people. And I get it, you know, business trying to make money. Right. But, you know, it just caused more issues than it did anything. So I kind of feel this is the same thing. But the ones who are suffering are the patients, again, because we have to spend more money um, to get the same product that we would have got, you know, last year on the shelves that would have been significantly cheaper and even more potent. Yeah. And I just think that comes down to education. We need to make yeah. sure these legislators are hearing these these things, these real world problems from these real patients that are, you know, struggling right now because that is happening. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's just it is a concern that I've had. And I know that you, you've spoken to that for, for a while now. So it's just like, you know, what what can we do going forward? How do we how do we ensure that the medical program remains and not even remains? is pushed into a more robust direction and make sure that there are protections in place for our, our, our especially our most severe medical patients. No, no, I agree, you know, because um, we wouldn't be where we are without the medical programs. Right. You know? um, New Mexico is actually the first state. And I say this a lot, but I just, I keep repeating it um, until it's in everybody's head. New Mexico was the first state to have a medical cannabis program around 1974. Uh, we had it for about 10, 15 years and it dissolved sometime in the eighties, mm -hmm. um, close to the nineties, California came in and then they did their thing in the nineties and you know, they did a lot better. However, their champion is the first, but New Mexico were, were actually first. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, we've have, we've been dealing with cannabis for a very long time. And uh, I kind of feel that the direction we're going with medical cannabis is the wrong direction. And I feel that there is something that needs to change. However, I would like to hear from the legislator side um, what their concerns are from wanting to change this instead of just us yelling and getting angry. I, I want to communicate and hear. So, if, I mean, any legislators are watching, sometimes they do, you know, reach out. You know, I'd love to have you on the show. Um, and another way that we can get people education, because here at Ch Ask Chad Grassy Logic, I'm all about education. The reason mm -hmm. why I'm doing this show is so I can educate the public and get you guys the information that you need so that way you're educated on the industry, on product use, on you know different verbiage and stuff like that, what's going on in the industry. So the best way that you can get your legislators educated is actually sharing this podcast with them. So if you repost it or something, just give them a tag, mm -hmm. you know, or you know, just repost it to their page or something. That's the best way to do it because the only way we're gonna stop the ignorance education agree and that's why i started this podcast is to mass educate everybody in new mexico and who knows even in the nation um about new mexico and cannabis yeah and i think it'd be cool too like if you guys have stories if, if there's people out there that are struggling you know getting their medication and stuff you know right into here yeah. you know right to chad and, and talk to them let's, let's get some of these stories let's compile them so we can bring them to these legislators because if they are passing legislation from an uninformed place or a misinformed place yeah. where they're, you know, like you say, arbitrarily making little regulations where they don't really belong, they don't make sense. And it's actually at the detriment, particularly of the medical patients and, you know, the medical market, then we need this, you know, this push of people to come together put these stories together and tell them because they need firsthand accounts. We yeah. need to make it make sense. We need to make them understand that, you know, this is, this is the real effect that these arbitrary regulations for the sake of trying to make it look like you have control or whatever the reasoning is, what it's doing, why it's, uh, you know, negatively impacting these patients. Cause it's really, really important that we protect them. I agree hundred percent. So what I'm going to do um, now is we're actually going to tell you guys some of the reasons why our program is kind of in shambles of where it's at. Um, but first, I really want to give some numbers. Um, so as of last month of January 31st, 2023, because uh, at the time of recording, some of you may be watching this in December, two years from now, who knows. 
Um, so as of January 31st, 2023, there's 108,000 patients hmm. in the program, you know, a little more than that. Um, I'm actually patient 8,000 something. So I joined the program, you know, fairly early. Uh, and so I've actually watched it grow, you know, mm -hmm. from the small thing. And I remember when it hit 10,000, I was like, yeah, yeah, we're growing. <laughs> and more people started finding out about it, you know, but um, the reason why I'm saying these numbers, is because actually about last year we saw a dip. So we saw a peak in our numbers and then just a straight drop in numbers. And I'll give you guys those numbers right now. So in January, 2020, I mean, excuse me, December of 2021, our numbers were 127,000 and it was mm. increasing every month. And so after that, in January of 2022, so about a year ago, um, we were at 130,000 patients. So, you know, it was growing. And, you know, one of the reasons was that we didn't have any shops yet. The only mm. way to go to a dispensary was to have your medical cannabis card. You still had and you to this day you still have more protections with a medical cannabis card than you do without it right um and, and that is true and that's actually one reason why it's good and a good idea to keep your medical cannabis sure. card and you know we'll get to more reasons why on that too um so in january that was a number hundred thirty thousand, and then we go down to may we drop down boom it goes to one hundred thirty-five thousand, and that's when it hit, reaches its peak mm -hmm. and it's one hundred thirty-five thousand. we think that we're going to be doing great but no it drops because the reason why the month before in april we legalized cannabis. So all the shops started to open up and everything was going through. Right. Um, one of the first things I've noticed that people started to complain about, because I did predict it, I said, guys, starting tomorrow, all of your concerns are going to change um, night and day. First concern, why aren't patients being seen first? Mm -hmm. You know, is there going to be enough cannabis for patients? You know, in some places we're saying, oh, we have to tax patients when that was not the case. And some places like, oh, we don't serve patients when that's illegal. Right. Um, and so there was a lot of confusion and or whatever. But all those concerns that were from the medical side weren't in the existence. Of to, to this day, for the most part, they aren't. Um, there's a few things that stayed behind. But it was really not alarming, but it, it was almost to the T of what I said was going to happen. You know, mm -hmm. once the shops open up, the numbers are probably going to start declining. But, you know, once we go legal, they're really going to start to decline. Right. And it took a few months um, for them to really kind of start to decline down and hit that peak. Uh, so I kind of see from then on those numbers haven't changed. And to this point right now, we're at one hundred and eight thousand and we've lost you know, a small city's worth of people in our in our program. Right. And so. That's a really alarming for any program at all. You know, losing that many people within that time span um, is alarming. And every month it's kind of just going down, it's dwindling. And we're getting to that point where it might drop to about half. And, you know, my prediction before something may change. And I don't know, maybe too late then. What do you think? Well, the no, the thing that I still see, like, yeah, we're losing, we're losing, you know, medical patients or people that are holding cards. Fine. Mm -hmm. But that still means that let's say we drop to half and let's say that that number you know, cause what do you say? We're still sitting at about a hundred thousand, 110,000. Yeah. Yeah. Just about, yeah. That's about the population of Las Cruces. Yeah. So that mm -hmm. means that every single person, 110,000 out of what is it? 2 million in New Mexico. Yeah, there's still these people that need access mm -hmm. to medical grade cannabis. Yeah. And so regardless of, you know, the shift in numbers, you still have a huge number of people, a pretty good uh, percentage of the population, like I said, 2 million what, is what's in New Mexico. Well, whatever it is, yeah, but yeah. like, you know, the entirety of Las Cruces, if they were all medical patients, basically in the numbers still need this access. So it's mm -hmm. not like, you know, we're talking about a small niche of people an yeah. insignificant, you know, number. We're not talking about a high school size worth of people. We're yeah. talking about a hundred thousand people. That's a yeah. ton of people. still. It is. It's, it's, it literally is the whole city essentially of Las Cruces. And that is alarming, you know, and, and these many people, need this stuff and they need it in a way that's going to be beneficial to them and not just the 
whatever the state feels is, is going to work. I mean, what we should really be saying if we really want them to pay attention is it's 100,000 people and that's 100,000 voters. Exactly. If you want the legislators to really listen, yeah. it's 100,000 people who vote. Yeah. So that's not an insignificant number. When you look at, you know, the Doniana County elections, you know, where 5,000 people tops show up, yeah. Or, yeah. you know, whatever it is, 100,000 people is not insignificant. That's yeah. a lot of patients with a lot of need who need, you know, so it's, it's, imperative to make sure that the you don't let the medical side die yeah no you know? i agree yeah and i told actually our, our current governor michelle Long grisham when she was running the first time you know and i, I was touting this at the time i said at the time we had about eighty thousand patients mm. and i said you know that's eighty thousand votes yeah. you know that can swing one way or another depending on how the medical program goes and don't get me wrong you have your diehards who are going to vote regardless of what happens yeah um you know and that's that works on both sides and or all sides excuse me and so i, I try to tout that too and that's a good point that you make and that's something that i've said in, in the past and one thing that people forget too is that the business owners and the employees they all vote too mm -hmm. um so you guys want to keep that in mind as, as legislators these businesses they vote so if they don't like what you're doing, they, they vote you out. And, well, it's all know. about messaging, man. Yeah, like exactly. People are like, oh, you know, that's 100,000. Oh, they can't get their weed. That's so sad. But that's because they're seeing it only as weed. They're thinking about it in, in party drug mode. No, yeah. these are people that can't get their medicine. Dude. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, that's you tell that to somebody who can't, you know, a diabetic who can't get their insulin or yeah. somebody else. You know, when you frame it appropriately, that's, that is like a really, really savage problem. Yeah. And it can get ugly. And yeah, like, I don't care if they are a diehard voter one way or the other, all of a sudden you deny them your medication. The people who are responsible, they're going to, you know, take a look at who those people are and vote them out. Oh, no, I that, agree. That 100%. will happen. And that should happen, guys. You know, uh, let's just speak with, uh, with our pens and the voting ballots, you know, mm -hmm. and, you know, if there's people that aren't, aren't helping, um, let's just make sure that we you know, uh, our, do our due diligence and vote, you know, because our, our voting numbers are kind of low in the state, you know, and, you know, it could be a little higher, especially in the area of Las Cruces. Uh, it's very sad how low our voting numbers are. There's new people moving into 5,000 people um, will vote in the whole county, in the a county of, I think, 200,000 plus, the whole, or maybe yeah, more, it's, way I, more than that, just the whole county. Um, or there's probably way more than that because just within the 60 mile radius of Cruces, there's 3.3 million yeah. people. So, yeah, without looking at the numbers, it's still 5,000 is ridiculous because, yeah. you know, if you're talking about Doniana County and just Las Cruces alone has 100,000, that's a miserable percentage turnout. Oh, yeah. You it's know? very, very, very low. And then, you know, maybe we'll compare it to the other cities in the nation mm -hmm. and, you know, see what those numbers compare, compare to or something like that. And so, what I'm trying to get at is, guys, please vote. You know, um, if you're 18 over, if you're turning 18, the next election, register to vote. It's really not hard. Um, there's not like a real specific place. I just go down to the county, vote and do my thing. I, I vote early. It's just a lot easier that way. And your vote still counts. So um, I'm a big proponent of voting. Um, well, and know. reach out to your legislators. Yeah, too. Exactly. Like, you know, there's there's a pretty good reception, you know, in the county. Um, there's, you know, I think, uh, what is it? Bill Souls is, uh, the state representative down here. They're all pretty yeah. cannabis friendly. Yeah. Even and, uh, Joanne Ferrari, um, uh, she's my, my representative. Yeah. I her name, right. Um, she's very cannabis, pro cannabis and everything too. Well, and, and regardless of that, they still need to be hearing from these people because, you know, there's only so much that we as cannabis business owners, representatives, adjacent people can, can say, because, you know, obviously coming from us, there's going to be a bias because, you know, business, right. Yeah, exactly. But coming from actual patients who have needs and stuff like, that's who they're really, really looking to support. And those are the ones that are going to understand the medical uh, the implications of what their medical legislation and stuff uh, will look like. So reach out to them. They are very, very, um, 
I mean, they have great reception as far as I've seen. I've had yeah. developed a good rapport with, yeah. with many of these people. Yeah. So reach out to them. You know, yeah. voting is great. Do it 100%. I, yeah. I will never say not to do that. But reach out to these people and tell them your stories. If you're having issues, they're they're there to listen. They've got a staff who will get it to the right places and put it in front of the right people's, uh, you know, put it in their ears and in their eyes. Yeah, I agree. I mean, guys, they work for us, you know, not the other way around. So keep that in mind. You know, you, you are allowed and it is your right to speak to your representatives about these issues, even your congressional representatives. You can even email the president um, of the United States. So um, I, I really want to go in and we'll touch base about certain individual issues within the medical program that actually have been around for a while. And some are kind of new, um, I think. And um, some have been around for a long time. Like, let's talk about the... Um, what is a usable amount within the state that the DOH can um, like set and they call it adequate supply. Right. And so right now it's set at eight ounces and eight ounces, I believe in a three month rolling period, you know, it could be, you know, longer, a little shorter. Now I haven't checked in a while. Um, I don't really buy from the dispensaries a lot. You know, mm -hmm. um, I, I grow for myself and stuff most of the time. And um, it's eight ounces. If you buy more than eight ounces, they tax you. When it was just medical, you just were cut off. You weren't allowed to buy any more cannabis. And I thought that was always bullshit. Right. Um, and I thought it was a slap in the face to everybody in the program and every patient in the program, even the veterans. You know, it was a slap in the face because like we were speaking earlier, patients tend to use cannabis um, at a higher potency and at a higher rate than, you know, just a regular person that's a recreational side. And that's something that we've acknowledged in the past. Right. And that know? seems just like an arbitrary number that they it just is. came up with because, yeah. you know, they're not, they're not, they don't know how much a person needs for them to say eight ounces drop dead. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, you know, what if that person needs eight and a half, nine or on up? Exactly. You know what I mean? And you're going to limit them. Like that's, that just doesn't work. Yeah. And you know, I get it. You know, the state wants to taxes and stuff, but they're getting a ton of taxes from Texas right now. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like over 50% of our sales come from out of state recreational sales. And so, you know, it's, it's not really that much of a difference. Yeah. I get it. You know, 40 or 50% of that could be taxable into the state and everything. But you know what, guys, it's not. And that's the way we put our program. So that way we don't have to pay those taxes because the patients really come first. And in New Mexico, every medication is tax free. And I think our Supreme Court came down and said that medical cannabis is within that category. And so it does within our state constitution and, have to be. And doesn't taxable. that like in effect, like make you feel like they're taxing the people who are the sickest? Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Oh, you're so sick that you need more. Let's throw this additional tax on you because yeah. you need more cannabis. Like, yeah, let's give you a sick tax. It's, it's, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. that's a that's a really jacked up system. Like, that doesn't make sense at all. And you're right, dude. There's so much tax revenue coming from the recreational market, and that's you know, I believe, I mean personally, that all cannabis use is medical to some degree. But the point is, it's it's for people that don't need it as much, like you know, to to be normal or whatever. Yeah. Tax them. That's yeah. that's what the recreational market yeah. is for. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Don't overtax them, but tax but them. Get, get yeah. your tax revenue that way. The patients, though, come on, like because yeah. they need more. Like I'm, I, I think that's a that's bullshit. Yeah, just overtaxing the poor is essentially what it is. Oh yeah, and the system gets abused. You know, there's there's people who I've spoken to through the years who work for dispensaries who have seen it. They'll use patients, you know, units. They'll mm -hmm. go in there and use some of the units for themselves or whoever else. And you know, there's been actually times where. Um, on accident, people I've known have gotten their units of someone else because right. their name was similar. So they ended up with their units. So that guy was four units short that month or right. you know, in that three month rolling period because it does roll over. But every three months, you know, it, it change, you get your eight, eight ounces. So it does accumulate. However, why would we have to worry about that in the first place? Right. It's like, yes, I get it. This doesn't affect every every single patient. Yeah. But I feel like the ones it does affect are the most vulnerable. Yes. And, you know, I've heard these 
I've heard from these patients throughout the years. And you know that their issues are always the same. I don't have enough cannabis. It's a pain in the ass to, you know, ask for more cannabis because you could ask for more and the DOH could grant you more. But, you know, the, I believe there was a limit and then it really wasn't as much more that you would, you know, really get. Because right now on the rec side, you can essentially buy as much as you want. But even that, know? that's screwed up. Like, I have to go hat in hand, like, you know, uh, can yeah. I please get some more because I need it? It's like, come yeah. on, like, these patients, without a without a system in place where, like, you know, like, when a doctor issues medication, you know, they, they will de generally set, you know, oh, this... Like, like a regular medication, I'm not talking cannabis. They'll say, oh, you'll get this many for this period, go to the pharmacy and get it, whatever. Well, we don't really have that system in place. And, no. you know, the, the the needs are kind of dictated by the patients themselves. Mm -hmm. And again, <clears throat> the ones that are the most vulnerable, they require more. And I just don't think an arbitrary limit is the way to go. And especially to have these people come, you know, basically begging the DOH, Oh, can I please have some more? Like, screw that, man. Like, mm -hmm. these, these people need to be protected. No, I agree 100%. And I want to clarify, guys, there is a limit when you go to the dispensaries of two, well, actually two ounces a day, um, or at a time, I think is what the law actually says, um, that you can buy at a dispensary. So you have a limit. However, at home, you don't have a limit how much you can have. So every day you can go buy an ounce, or every at a time you can go buy an ounce, two ounces, whatever, and then you can just accumulate all that cannabis, and you know, you're still going to be charged the same rate. Uh, medical cannabis patients, you go past that eight ounces, you start getting taxed at the, you know pretty much a rate of twenty percent in the state. Um, and that adds up really quickly. You're paying twenty bucks on hundred bucks. Yeah, you know, yeah, you know that adds up very, very fast. Especially if you want to buy an ounce, and right now ounces run anywhere from you know hundred to about four hundred dollars. Well, then the point, then the back right back to the point you made. Medication is tax free. Exactly. And so that's what it is. It's yeah. not you know they're not just buying something to get high and party they're yeah. just still buying their medication you know what I mean? so it needs to be classified as such no i agree and you know that uh, as i said the state did get sued and the, the state did agree through the courts that you know medical cannabis is um tax-free and should be tax-free in new mexico because it's seen as any other you know prescription drug exactly in new mexico, yeah which is fine that's great that's good to hear because actually i believe it is um uh that employing employment employment insurance i can't think of the name right now they have to actually pay for your medical cannabis um, when you get it or reimburse you for it interesting yeah and so that's something to look up if you, if you guys are on that so in some there. ways we are seeing some positive shifts yeah it took the courts to do it though right yeah <laughs> yeah that's the only, the only problem is we we have to get the courts in, to intervene and i told people this for a long time even <clears throat> on the adult use side on the cra side we're going to have to get the courts involved for certain things to kind of clarify. Cause even the States like, I'm not too sure how to, you know, go, we're just going to do it this way because that's mm -hmm. how we're, that's how we're interpreting it. And they'll say that, you know, well, we're interpreting it this way. And that's the way that it goes because if the state interprets it that way, it's going to take the court to really do to, the ones to change, to that. clarify that interpretation. Right. Yeah, exactly. So if you guys aren't clarified on something and you have the means and money or whatever, go ahead and sue the state. And, you know, it's not like, you have something against them maybe they just got it wrong in the state and the courts can just clarify on it and they mm -hmm. can get a better opinion um so moving on uh, one of the other reasons is the doh kind of left a lot a bad taste in a lot of patients mouths um you know because through the years of secrecy favoritism um you know not listening to us adding arbitrary numbers and arbitrary rules in the pr program that made it harder you know being so paranoid to the point where you were afraid to be a patient you right know? like it, it was you you kept it quiet from people you didn't want people to know you were a patient you know you kept that card that's in your wallet behind everything mm -hmm. you know like you know you don't want anybody to see it <laughs> right yeah you don't wear it on your sleeve you know yeah yeah i get that that's yeah i'm sorry i, I interrupted the the point that you were getting to on that but that's it all comes back down to that regular stigma which i think is we're, we're making good progress um 
you know, beginning to peel back. We're seeing a lot of, you know, changes in the different councils, like the city council, we're seeing different things, you know, at the county level, a lot of people from, you know, different generations who were sold this idea of cannabis being, you know, or of, of demonizing cannabis, if you will, we're, that's beginning to peel back a little bit. So I yeah. think progress is being made. We just need to continue to be vocal and continue to, you know, affect legislation appropriately because, you know, it's not what it was sold to us in the reefer madness days. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's something, you know, totally different now, especially these days, you know, mm -hmm. in, in 2023, you know, the, the cannabis industry as a whole nationwide, is totally different than it was back then you know mm -hmm. and it's more accepted you know you see tv shows just regular tv and there's you know someone smoking a doobie like it's nothing you right know, because that it is nothing now right you know, like you know smoking weed in most places you know actually i was looking at airbnb the other day and um you know you, you see the 420 friendly in yeah. there you know just let people know that yeah you just don't smoke in the house we don't care if you smoke weed you know obviously it's legal so you know what do you really do yeah um i mean they could tell you no because you know private residence sure but, you know um, but we're seeing acceptance of it. That's yeah, happening. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, if as long as us as, you know, cannabis consumers, we respect those boundaries of people, then, you know, we won't get such a stigma placed on our head, like the whole stigma thing. I see people, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit this vape pen through this, you know, pool noodle, like a big bong in the middle of fucking Walmart. Like, guys, come on, please. Um, you know, let's get rid of that stoner stigma because, you know, it hurts us. It does. You know, and it, it sets us back. You know, and that just that one video probably set us back a couple of years. Well, and think about what that does. You know, we've been talking about the medical cannabis industry. You know, yeah. what what is seen and what is what is generally seen in media is always going to be the most negative thing. Yeah, you know I mean? exactly. Like negative negative press is what makes the headlines yeah. most often than not. So when you got these people making mistakes like that, when the next cannabis legislation ends up on a ballot or ends up wherever, you know, and if, if what's in the forefront of people's minds is these uh, people that. You know that, that that whole people that can't act right. If that's what's in their mind, then they're not going to look at the legitimacy of the issues that are being presented in front of them. Yeah. It, it, it just they can't. Yeah, you know. So that yeah, you're right. That's important. Don't 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 be idiots. Have uh, mature, intelligent conversations about cannabis to yeah. allow this conversation to move us forward. We can't keep circling back having the same conversation having to say oh you know black you know when they're blaming black market products on you know the the different dispensaries and stuff like that, that like, was my next point yeah, yeah. we we got to stop being in that place and be able to you know progress this conversation forward yeah and, and we got to be able to talk to you know everybody about it including you know everybody's kids you know talk to your kids about it have that conversation about cannabis and you know the reason why we're seeing this illicit market you know or black market cannabis products inside of schools is because we're not having these conversations and because it's not being addressed by the patients and you know, the, not the patients, but the parents and the parents yeah. aren't parenting. Right. Um, you know, that they're not watching their kids and, you know, figuring out what's going on. I smoked weed when I was younger, but I got caught. Yeah. And, you know, my dad turned into Sergeant Lozano and that sucked yeah. for about two weeks. Well, and I can speak to that, dude. I've got three kids. I've yeah. got one that's 14, one that's almost 12 and one that's six. And guess what? I have talked to them about cannabis. I've yeah. talked to them about it since you know we were in the medical market and they they know i mean i mean obviously i work you know with my wife and i work with the product regularly where they're photographing it where they're you know we've got people in and out you know with they, they the kids have seen the product they've been you know around it and stuff and it's not like a taboo thing because yeah. they know it's medicine they know they're not to touch it but guess what i also am responsible when i keep it locked and away from them yeah you know but the thing of it is you have to be able to have that conversation i honestly feel like truly and i've, I've said this for a while that 90% of New Mexico's issues could be solved by parents just talking to their kids real. 
Yeah. You know, like we have issues with, I mean, I'm going to go on a huge tangent, I'm sure, but I'll, I'll try to keep it short. <laughs> you know, like you talk about New Mexico's issues with teen pregnancy, last in education, all this, it all comes down to parenting, dude. Yeah. Same thing with cannabis. You know, if you can parent your kids and talk to them, you know, and, and let them know about it appropriately, it's when, you know, <laughs> you get into this, making it this big, scary monster that it becomes more interesting, it becomes yeah. taboo. You know yeah. what I mean? These kids, you're never going to take away the curiosity. So what do you do? You have to be the one to fill their cup with the best information before they go and get it from somewhere else. No, exactly. And those places are not yeah. going to be good. Dude. Yeah. Cause you remember getting the information from your friends when you were younger. It was terrible information. Always. Yeah. 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 Like, it was terrible information. It's probably, it was probably a little worse information than you get today from the internet. Sometimes maybe on the same plot. But, you know, I mean, the internet's a, a really messed up place and kids, really kids now, are yeah, more yeah. connected now than we ever were. Yeah. And that's the other thing. There's another problem that all comes down to parenting, parenting oversight, you know, so it all comes down to that. So yeah, I agree with you 100%. Talk to your kids about cannabis. And if you don't know how there are numerous blogs and Instagram pages and stuff like talking about canna moms, canna parenting, there are actually resources yep. that exist were to help guide you in that conversation, but you need to do it. Yeah, no, yeah. you need, it's, it's a conversation that you have to have, just like talking to your kids, kids about sex, sex yeah. education. You know, that's something that America lacks and it's something that we refuse to talk to our kids about because for some reason there's a taboo on talking to them about it and then being educated. Then they go out and make these mistakes, you know, get Dude, pregnant early. Dude, hundred percent, hundred percent. Like it, because it's uncomfortable for us, we don't want to, you know, our job isn't to, our job is to raise them to be, you know, the best versions of themselves they can be. And that's going to require of us some uncomfortable things, uncomfortable yeah. conversations, you know, bringing things to them. So they have an awareness. Don't, don't let them walk into the world naive. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like people, people give me shit. Cause this, I, uh, when my daughter was like nine, she was talking about how she was like interested in boys. And most dads, it's like, no, you cannot be interested in boys. You're only nine. I was like, no, you know, I was thrilled. Yeah. And I know that's going to be controversial. I was thrilled that my daughter was interested in boys at nine. You know why? Because she still gave a shit about my opinion. Yeah, I could still, I could teach her the boundaries. I could have the conversations with her, and you know, teach her about her power and her, uh, you know, all these different things. While I still matter and I'm still the center of her world, me and her mom both, I have control and oversight of that. And then I'm opening up this opportunity for a back and forth. She will feel comfortable talking to me about these things, and still does, dude. Like I said, she's almost twelve. She's almost you know, getting into that place where, you know, it's not too far away where, you know, boys are thinking about that one thing, but guess what? I've established that, that route. And the same is true for cannabis. Yeah. It's not going to be like, Oh, the first time I'm ever exposed to it is because some girl had a black market vape in the bathroom. <laughs> that's for dude. It's, it really that's happens. happening. Dude. Yeah. In middle school, really that happens. shit is happening. My dad was a teacher for years and yeah, it happens all the time. Yeah. yeah. And so, so you want that to be their first exposure to it when yeah. someone the peer pressure's on and they hand it to them like, Oh, I don't know. I'll try it. And then something happens, especially with all the fentanyl products on the market. Black market stuff is terrifying. Yeah. And so like, you got it. You got to nip that in the bud. You got to get ahead of it and have these conversations. Yeah. So that way they know like, okay, you know, if, if I'm going to do something like that, it would have to be a product I know that's safe. You know, 100%. don't smoke something black market because, you know, kids are kids. Right. You know, I smoked weed when we were a kid. I mean, I don't know if you oh, did. Oh, dude. Yeah, I, mean, see, I mean, bro, I come from the, the, when we were getting the Mexican brick weed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you get know a little pretty mean? ribbon in with your weed. Yeah. Just like, random crap in there. And we, we grew up, I mean, it was. It was sketchy, but it's not as sketchy as it is now with all yeah. the fentanyl products. Yeah, and yeah. That, it, that stuff is scary because that, that didn't really exist back then, the threat of it. And, you know, now you have to really worry about that. And you need to know where your product comes from. You know, even 
when you go to like music festivals and you know the MDMA and the different drugs that are there, yeah. they have a tent where you can go get your drugs tested, you know, to make sure that it's pure whatever or there's nothing else in it. So, you know, like that's why, you know, we really harp on cannabis testing. And, you know, that was another issue on the medical side mm -hmm. um, that we've had for years was, was cannabis testing. And to, to this day, we still have an issue with cannabis testing, mostly because of the lack of cannabis testing facilities. Right. And, you know, that's something that I'm going to harp on and talk about a lot, you know, here in the future or whenever, because we need them. You know, yeah. there's a lot of stuff that's getting through that's harmful to people. And, you know, we, we taught about the black market, but we have to, you know, kind of kick ourselves in the ass too, because we're allowing such crap to get through. Now, mm -hmm. don't get me wrong. It's not like it has fentanyl. I, at least I hope not because we do have a black market um, cannabis issue in our, you know, regulated program. Right. So I hope to God that never happens. However, you know, that's something that should be caught on the testing side. Well, right. And, and also to the point of the black market, I mean, that's the other problem with this overregulation and these, these regulations for the sake of regulating only is you're pushing more and more people into the black market or back into it. Yeah. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Like, so that's, I don't know. I, I'm with you. Yeah. And I, I go off on these tangents and then like, I know we're trying to. No, no, you're good. Dude. I mean, this is, you know, really good conversations that we need to have. Like, you know, taxes, taxes are one of the biggest reasons why California and these other states are having black market issues mm -hmm. on top of, you know, cities being allowed to ban cannabis sales in their cities. Right. Um, I say, I use this fact a lot, but only, um, what, 30% of the cities in California um, actually sell cannabis mm -hmm. within the city limits. 70% mm -hmm. um, of them don't, and they ban it. Um, and that's one thing that Colorado did, you know, the county where my dad's from. Give them the opt-out option, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's from Fremont County, and they opted out. So they're only medical only. And I, I think that's kind of bullshit, and you add a, another stigma on top of the industry because you're saying, well, if we don't want it, we're not going to do it. Now, New Mexico, we've kind of seen some counties take an approach to almost try to ban it out directly with certain rules and stuff, but the law kind of gives us a cushion to, you know, them not to be able to do that. But right. there's still some things that they've gone around and done. Right. They, they'll set like the restrictive, like so many feet from a building or whatever, knowing yeah. that there's no buildings in that immediate area available yeah. that somebody could get into. Exactly. You know, the, or zone it in a certain way. Right. They're not outright banning it, but they're making it impossible to find a space to open. Yeah, exactly. And you know, when, when taxes are high, black market's fucking high too, mm -hmm. you know, and you know, they're, they're happy and they're making a lot of money. Well, cause the margins are obviously going to be much higher in the black market. And, and if, if you're super, if you're overtaxing people, especially cause those margins are super slim at that point. Oh yeah, I agree. And you know, maybe we just need to go to what our medical program had at the time. It was just a straight state tax, you know, the 8% that we pay mm -hmm. all around and then they could split it up that way. And it should be more than enough because if we, go with the route that we're going our taxes are going to increase the next couple of years and they increase years after that too and i believe all the way to 30 percent or even high and then i think they want to go higher um so if we allow that to happen the black market is just going to thrive and new mexico is going to run into the same issues that california is having um colorado still has you know this issue a little bit but cannabis is so cheap there i don't think too many people really like bother but it's still so high that they could be making more money if they taxed it at a you know reasonable rate i mean washington it's like at 35 percent yeah well that will directly I mean, circling back to the medical thing is that'll directly impact the medical market too because mm -hmm. what you're going to have is all these businesses 80 percent of these businesses most of them locals that are going to have to shut down because they've been taxed out of the market yeah. and all that's going to exist now are the big operators the big names that you know have the ability to absorb that much cost and you know and tax you know basically you're almost going to monopolize it to just a couple uh a couple operators yeah and do you think they're going to care about the medical market really no yeah because they're worried about you know their profit margins and, and staying uh staying in the black 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and one thing I want to mention, guys, and I say this all the time, no state or any country has regulated cannabis correctly yet. We haven't figured it out. Like, we don't know the best route to go yet. So the reason why I, I want to have these conversations is so we can make it better. New Mexico, we're actually being viewed by a lot of people. You know, a lot of people are noticing us and the way that we regulated this and how it's a little more open, a little more loose. It's not quite like Oklahoma, mm. but, you know, where it's a little more loose. You know, we have let up significantly less water than most other states. So that kind of actually hinders us from becoming one of those places. But we're starting to see a saturation. Right. And one only positive with saturation is that I know patients have access, you know, like and that's one thing that was on my mind for a long time. And I hope that continues to happen i know places are going to shut down you know whatever and the market's going to do what the market mm -hmm. does um but i'm really happy at the moment that people do have um access and that's something good in the program to say that's that's going well um but as for a whole industry there's a lot of changes that still need to happen yeah. in the future it's nowhere nowhere has achieved perfection but we can always achieve progress yeah and that's the point yeah i agree 100 and guys if something doesn't change and if we don't do something actively to make our program better, you know, legislators don't start listening, we don't start working together, even businesses uh, working together at the legislative uh, level to make this better, our program is gonna dissolve like the one in the 1970s. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And uh, I would say this, for businesses out there that have concerns and wanna have some legislative influence, um, you know, I'll call this a plug if you will, but there are some organizations like, you know, this, down here in the South is the Southwest Cannabis Trade Association, where many of the businesses are kind of grouping together to establish a community, but also to be able to talk about our collective interests, our collective challenges. And, you know, again, I'm a, I'm an adjacent business. I don't have a whole lot of skin in the game. I don't grow, manufacture any of those things. But there's, you know, a good grouping of these businesses that can, I believe, have some legislative influence if we are, you know, seeing issues. Yeah. But also... It's also a group of people, and many of us are patients and have you know, our interests and our concerns and stuff, and we can talk about those things and ensure that those voices collectively are being heard by the legislators and the powers that be to make sure that we get the change that we want and that we need. I agree, because I've been told directly by you know, legislators that why don't you guys get together as a cannabis industry and tell the legislators what you want because that's what the microbreweries did. Right. You know, they said that he straight up told me the microbreweries got what they wanted because they banded together and they told the legislators, this is what we need as an industry for it to operate correctly. Right. And that's what we need to do in the cannabis industry. I get it. We're so used to being cutthroat and just, you know, yeah, the, the infighting needs that. to stop. Like I know everybody thinks they grow the most fire and yeah. everybody, you know, that person, the way they do it sucks. You got to do it this way or whatever. And it's like, okay, okay, okay. Yes. It's okay. There's going to be egos and stuff in every market, whatever. That's fine. But we need to set aside those things. Forget about that. Don't worry about what someone else's camp is doing, but understand that we do have similar challenges and we do have, you know, ends that we all need to meet, but we can't do it alone. Yeah. Nobody is out there doing it alone. Not here, not California, not Colorado. No one is leading that charge as an individual and winning. Yeah, no, I or agree being 100%. heard. Yeah, yeah, I agree. 100%. So yeah, it's, it's like come up, come together as a collective, find a way to band together and let your voices be heard yeah. <clears throat> because many voices are heard a lot easier than just one. No, I agree hundred percent. And you know, sometimes it only takes two people for your, your representative to say my constituents. constituents. 100%, yeah. <laughs> it's all it takes. It takes two people for it to be plural. Um, so that is it for like the medical cannabis and the medical cannabis dying in New Mexico. I hope to see something change positively for it. 
Um, I'm hopeful, but at the same time, I'm kind of bracing myself for the worst for it. Mm -hmm. um, I don't want to see it dissolve. But yeah, and I'm sure this is a conversation that I'll have again in the future. You know, it's, it's close to my heart. I've been a patient for many, many years. Well, I think it's you and 100,000 others that don't want to see it dissolved. So we, need, we need those 100,000. Yeah, I agree 100%. Yeah. So let's move on to the to the next um, topic that we're you know going to be talking about. I can talk about the medical cannabis program <laughs> all day. I mean, it's been most of the freaking episode. Um, I really want to touch this bill because it's something that I kind of predicted that was going to happen. It's something that I knew was coming. Um, psilocybin advisory group. If you guys don't know what that is, it's magic mushrooms. And, you know, there's certain states that have actually already a medical industry on that side when it comes to psilocybin. I believe it's Oregon. And I think Washington's going to follow in their footsteps here soon. Colorado, I believe, um, decriminalized it or one of the cities did. And actually here in New Mexico, it's, it's technically been legal here, you know, due to the way that our language has been written for a very long time. You just can't dry the mushrooms, but you can, you know, grow them and everything. So, that's another fact that a lot of people don't know. There's a lawsuit. And the Sometimes guy actually, the interpretations work in our favor. Exactly. And the guy was actually <laughs> from my hometown, Alamogordo, which, you know, out of all places, I'm like, of course he's from Alamogordo. Um, but what this bill will do is it's going to create a psilocybin advisory group. It's just going to be, you know, composed of people who are, you know, essentially seen as experts when it comes to psilocybin, you know, doctors, mm. people who have grown uh, psilocybin before, um, even people from, you know, our uh, indigenous tribes, yep. you know, people that have had, you know, um, uh, experience with that. And I believe some kind of spiritual stuff too. Yeah. Well, this is the perfect place to do it because, you know, I know that there's been studies and, you know, there's a, there's a really prominent professor. I'm, I'm, I'm not even going to try it his name, but up at, up at UNM yeah. that has been studying psilocybin and the effects, um, you know, and the medicinal effects and like even going as far as like you talk about with like the journey work and stuff like that and how it impacts people with depression, how it impacts people, you know, with, bipolar disorder and all these like, you know, mental health disorders and what the positive impacts are. And that's really, really interesting. And I'm glad to see that there's, you know, some kind of uh, push to legitimize that and, and keep that conversation going. You know, like, yeah, we talk about cannabis and the cannabis, you know, industry is a whole other thing. But now we're exploring, you know, something that I think has, as I am sure we all think has needed to be touched on is how do we help people with their mental health struggles that go that goes even deeper than that. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah. So that I think that the, there's going to be an advisory committee to get this thing started. Is like, that's awesome. I do too. And this is how you know these kind of things start. Is you know it starts with like an advisory group. Then an advisory group reports back to the state and the governor and you know different committees. And then from there they kind of suggest what the law and framework should look like for the industry. So this one is going to have eight people on the panel. Um, and they're going to be composed of like, you know, physicians, like I said, social workers even going to be on there. Um, there's going to be even a person experience conducting research regarding therapeutic use of psilocybin. So that's really good to see that we're going to have people that already have experience studying it and people and they can get yeah. more of an in-depth um, explanation of why this would be a good idea, especially for New Mexico, because, you know, the way that our laws are written already kind of allow us to, you know, cultivate you know mushrooms already yeah well i've never tried them to be honest with you i've never yeah. but i you know i myself i suffer with depression mm -hmm. and uh, i'm definitely curious because you know from some of the studies that have come out and some some i guess even some little uh little factoids and blurb that i've come across that there are it's possible to really alleviate some depressive symptoms and things for a long period of time off of a single dose yeah, yeah. i mean so i don't know anything about that but i'd be really interested in even you know trying out one of those clinical trials, you know, going that legal route and seeing what that might do. I would totally be interested in doing that. Oh, you know, if I wasn't allergic to mushrooms after I came back from Iraq, oh, I, I, yeah, I was randomly allergic to mushrooms. Um, and I would totally be into it, you know, being a veteran, you know, dealing with the PTSD, I've heard 
several guys saying that, yeah, you know, it's helped me out significantly. I go, you know, weeks to months without even using a dose, feeling great. Mm -hmm. You know, I'll just microdosing guys, microdosing even with cannabis is great. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, a lot of people that I've been talking to that microdose mushrooms have been um, telling me that they have been feeling the effects of it in a positive manner, almost a reprogram. Yeah. You know, and, and that in that sense is what they're telling me. So, you know, I'm not a scientist. I'm not a doctor. I can tell you, you know, the scientific thing behind it. You know, I'm still learning about, you know, psilocybin and everything. Um, I still study it. But <clears throat> this is still something that's very important for New Mexico. And I kind of feel that it was something that needed to be talked about, you know, definitely that I really didn't really see around, but you know, I'm really excited for this to see where it goes in the next couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's going to be, it's going to have its own stigma. No <laughs> doubt about yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, anytime you start talking about psychedelics, um, you know, obviously you get the, the images of the 1960s, the acid trips and all yeah. that stuff. And I, of course that's, you know, how weed has reefer madness, you know, <laughs> psilocybin and other psychedelics they are going to have, 1960s hippie yeah. movement yeah but you know hopefully people will look past that and really look into the science of what's happening i can't speak to the science but again there is an attempt now at a legitimate study for these things and to see its medicinal properties and we need to pay attention yeah and you know new mexico again we could be at the start of the forefront of something that's going to change nationally once a couple of states start doing it and once more collectively do it the rest of the states fall and start doing the same thing um so we're just going to be on the earlier front than this than we normally are. Um, so this advisory group, they're going to have to report to the governor, uh, the Legislative Health and Human Services Committee, and the Legislative Finance Committee, um, and, and the whole legislature by December 1st, 2025. So they have a couple of years to do this. They're going to get um, a lot of the funding from somewhere else, of course, and you know, like a bunch of other things. If you guys want to read about this, the bill is HB 393. I, I forgot to get who the representative was who introduced it. I'm not sure at the moment. But if you look that up over on the um, nmlegis.gov website, you'll be able to find it and figure it out more. And, you know, it's obvious. It's it's called psilocybin advisory group. So uh, that's that's all for that one. It's a really short bill. You know, there's going to be more that'll come in the following years. I say 2025 um, to probably 2026 is probably when we're going to see an actual bill introduced unless some legislator gets a wild hair up his ass and or their her ass or their ass and they decide to introduce a bill on their own and you know kind of say screw the study we just want to do it now and the legislature decides it and the governor signs it then you know it could be earlier than that yeah uh, it's, it's interesting we're we're in a, in a neat place and i'm just glad to see that there's focus being you know well, at least people's mental health is being brought into view. Yes. This is this is the purpose of these things. It's not because we're all excited to go and go on acid trips and go, you know, dance naked in the desert. It's because, <laughs> you know, or, you know, or that. But like, but no, it's because we're trying to bring mental health into view. And that has obviously been a major topic. It's been a hot button in politics. It, it's been part of the conversation now for, God, years. I mean, we're dealing with, you know, mass shootings and all kinds of these different events where, you know, the first thing that's brought up afterwards is, uh, you know, mental health what are these people's mental health looks like well we don't have a really clear picture of mental health in this country in this state and anywhere and uh so if we're starting to look that direction that's all positive to me no 100 and, and i'm glad that we are going that direction so um i appreciate your you know your words on that you know and i'm glad you know we're kind of in, we are in agreement and everything and you know i wouldn't be mad if we weren't but you know it just it's it's great to see that more people are into it and you never even use it so yeah no and and i know that there will be a resistance yes and people you know every time that 
they start to say, oh, you know, they just want to legalize drugs. And it's like, it's not it. You got to look deeper than than that. It's drugs like, are illegal, buddy. You can go to your doctor and get it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly, dude. Like, there's, there's more than just legal opioids, man. There's other ways to, you know, to see positive change forward. And people need to look at that more closely than these you know, these little empty platitudes are just like, oh, you guys just want your drugs. It's like, no, that's not it. We want effective drugs to help us with our ailments to help us lead a, lead a happier life. You know, yeah. I mean, the pursuit of happiness. Yeah. We're not, you know, these tripped out liberal not nut jobs, you know, yeah. like that, you know, want to, you know, just do drugs all day. We are people that just want to pursue our happiness. No, I agree 100% because um, if, if we allow that stigma and everything to continue, then, you know, nothing's going to progress. And that's what we had to do on the medical cannabis, on the cannabis side. Mm -hmm. And I kind of feel that the industry is actually going to have to back the psilocybin people and everything. And I kind of feel that if the cannabis industry kind of not hops on the back, but, you know, gives them a hand, you know, legislatively, you know, shows the ropes, shows up to some committees, kind of gives them, you know, a, a, a 411 of what it's like to be, in an industry and a part of an industry that's so, you know, hush hush and so kind of secretive and so right. kind of and stigmatized. Taboo. Yeah. So taboo. Cause what are they really they're, they're How different are they from us? Really? It's, Oh, not at all. It's, it's a natural product that is made illegal, but has medicinal benefits just like cannabis. Yeah, so exactly. yeah, absolutely. We have to, I think we all need to be in that corner. Yeah, I agree. So if you guys want to look it up, Morgan, uh, it's HB 393. Um, if you guys want to have more of a conversation on it, um, I posted that link of it on my Facebook page. So if you guys want to, you know, make your comments, opinions on the comments, I'm not going to respond. I'm just going to allow you guys to come up with your own opinions. And I'm just kind of curious to see what you guys really think of and what you come up with. You know, um, maybe there's some ideas and stuff that I don't think about, or maybe, you know, uh, Coco didn't think about. And I, I really like seeing your guys' opinion. So anyway, we're going to jump on to one of the second to the last topics. And it's UNM actually came out with another research. And this one kind of ties into the one I talked about before. But I wanted to talk about this one separately. I wanted to keep them separate. So what they're doing at UNM is they're really working with the terpene profiles, and they're calling it chemo bars. You know, the whole you know terpenes and everything. They call them chemo bars. Right. And what they've done now is they've actually found out that terpenes in cannabis, and specifically certain types of um, terpenes in cannabis, um, have been linked to a better patient outcome mm -hmm. of relieving their symptoms. And what that means is that flour containing um, higher levels of specific terpenes. Um, and there's there's a couple in here and there's two main ones and we'll get to it in a second um have just been helping people you know alleviate stress alleviate mm -hmm. pain um alleviate you know ptsd symptoms and stuff like that so that's really great to see and um that what they did is they used data from the relief app uh, from 2015 to 2021 on 633 flower products now just flower this isn't concentrates this isn't edibles or anything else this is just flower products so keep that in mind, you know, when, when you look at studies, keep certain things in mind. Um, and they assess the trends between the can uh, cannabinoid and the terpenes uh, content and, you know, which the, they're called, I guess, the chemo bars. Right. I learned that fairly recently. Um, and so what it is in their, their perceived um, effects on the consumer. So what it is, is they're someone smoking it and reporting on the app with the feeling and everything from that terpene profile. And so uh, myrosine and terpioline. I don't know if I said that one right. Some of these I have a hard time saying. Mm -hmm. Seem to be they seem to be two of the major ones that help with you know alleviating pain and anxiety and stuff. So that's why I said you know specifically certain ones do help people. Now there could be a person who you know 
maybe pinene helps them in a certain right. way. Maybe lemonine, you know, um, maybe some other terpene, you know, like there's certain times where I kind of get a peppers, you know, flavor from it, you know, and I can't think of it at the top of my head, the name of the terpene profile. And I had the hardest time saying it for the long time. Right. But um, this is a really cool study. But one thing that I, I want everybody to keep in mind and that I found out and I found it was intriguing is that cannabis flower that had CBD in it seemed to give less of a symptom relief than ones that had, you know, no CBD in it at all. So you're looking at your 25% THCs with your like 0.01% CBDs, they seem to be more, seem to be better at alleviating pain. So maybe the, depending on the terpene profile, depending on the terpene profile. So but maybe, so they're, they're finding that the terpene profile has much more of an effect than they originally thought. They thought exactly. it was THC, CBD. You know, I know that it was always broken down to like indica and sativa based yeah. on effect. Yeah. But now because of, you know, better studies. And that, this is what it kind of comes down to is because they've allowed these legitimate scientific studies to go deeper in cannabis they're really discovering where these things come from that's is that what i'm understanding yeah no exactly and you know we're finding out the real medical benefits and where in cannabis are these medical benefits coming from because for the longest time we didn't really know we just you know thc cbd and we keep finding compounds all the time different mm -hmm. ones and what they do and that's where the hac the delta a the delta 10 that's where all those come from because they do exist in the cannabis plant naturally it's just very 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 tiny minute quantities and doesn't really make sense to extract it so that's why something like this is very important very intriguing and i'm not sure why it's not talked about more only a few people have really shown interest in this because probably because it's complicated yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it yeah. definitely is it's not an easy it's not an easy chat yeah. and we're just learning about it you know yeah. and people don't like to get over because you know that's the other thing is the general consumer and this also comes down to this point where so much focus is in the the recreational market the general consumer just wants to know ah uh, you know if they're going in what what's you know they're looking at thc percentage because they think that's how high they're going to get yeah that's that's like you know a very very low level understanding of of the plant and that's all they usually need to go yeah. in and buy their product and that's yeah. all that these businesses are going to push because that's all they need to do is to sell the product yeah. right so this is really cool so that's i think that's why it's not being talked about but it definitely needs to particularly for like we're talking about for the medical to support the medical side we've got exactly. to understand this stuff and it all comes down to again allowing these scientific studies to happen so it all circles back even back to the psilocybin thing we've yep. got to allow good science to happen is exactly in order to understand the benefits of these things yeah. and so you know that's uh it all comes back down to making sure legislation matches that so it's not just this big scary drug monster it's no this is we got to look into this a little deeper yeah. because we're going to find positive change no exactly i agree you know and you know the, the more we study the more we learn about the cannabis plant the less we can fear on it and you know that's great that you know something like this is coming out and i've been a huge proponent of you know terpenes and terpene profiles mm -hmm. and really good tasting because why wouldn't you want your cannabis to smell good and taste good and i don't want to put it in a blunt wrap because actually what blunt wraps were in blunts like that and wraps guys what they essentially were meant for in the past was for really shitty tasting weed. And right. the reason why you use that Mask is to make it, it taste better because yep. you smoke Reggie. So if someone smokes a blunt, they're using a blunt wrap. In my mind, I'm like, I hope that's not shitty weed. Right. Because if you have good weed, you just roll a joint and it tastes amazing. Still. Yeah. Um, well, I think that eventually, you know, people, as they become more in tune to this conversation, understanding the terpenes, like you talk about some, you know, have a peppery, some are lemony, some are, you're going to be able to identify these things. And a lot of people can, there's like, there's these uh, gongiers and these other people that can really, they can smell a, a, a type of weed or whatever and understand, and they can even almost tell you what kind of terpenes are likely in it and which ones are more prominent than the others. It reminds me of like 
you know when like like wine tasting yeah you go you taste it you swirl it you swish it or yeah, whatever. yeah and people you know they say i don't know i don't know much about wine but like they say they can identify certain flavor profiles certain things about it and so there's a sophistication to it and i think that that's where we're going with cannabis there's yeah. going to be people that can that can tell but also from the medical side you know being able to isolate those and people grow those things with those things in mind then they're going to be able to serve medical patients much better no i agree 100 percent. and you know the more we know the better we know and because i go to dispensaries and i'll say do you have anything with the terpene range between 1.5 percent to three percent because that's usually and it's not high percentage you know just that three percent to two percent you can tell the difference mm. um you know i've grown cannabis that had you know higher you know about two percent 2.5 to 2.6 percent uh, in the terpenes and it smelled and tasted amazing you know, so you could only imagine what a 3% was. But when I go to or what Washington, I can find those. You know, I could say, hey, I want something high in the terpenes. They put that on the label. So New Mexico, if you guys really want to get ahead of the curve, start looking at the terpene profiles and putting that on your labeling and your packaging because that's coming. I ask all the time when I go to dispensaries, you know, mm -hmm. what's your terpene profiles? You know, what, what, you know, what's the percentages? How, how good does it taste? How good does it smell? Where can you care. find it if the if like can, are you able to find it on the packaging and stuff if your bud tender doesn't know or so what a lot of them have told me because some of them do have the percentage it's a very small percentage of them who do but normally it's on their testing results i know rear oh. brand analytics they have the terpene testing profile on there so they could tell you but they have to go in the back pull out the testing for it and then show you which if you really want to get that terp that might be worth it and if they shook the jar please tell them to give you another jar because you know that's not good cannabis anymore so um that's pretty much all i wanted to talk about that one did you have anything else on it or no i mean that's so i mean I, that that whole concept it's not foreign to me i've heard about it but i don't i don't really like go into that that deeply and so that's why i ask because like if somebody is really interested in that terpene profile and it's not you know if someone doesn't know if you get that deer in the headlights look when you ask because i'm sure that can't happen yeah yeah you know like what it's cool to know if they can request the can can a per, can a general person request that um the testing results can they request yeah that? you know what you guys can and you should if you're questionable about the cannabis receiving at a dispensary or wherever you are ask for the testing results we did this when they first went legal and they thought we we're the doh and shady or whatever but we were just curious we wanted to see the testing results and then that's another way that you could probably tell that they're selling black market cannabis is if they can't show you the testing results right you know or the correct testing results if there's no testing results then that probably means it's black market and that might have been the reason why they thought we we're the doh but we were just really wanting to see the testing results. And sometimes I do ask them again, the testing results, you know, cause like, you know, I just really want to see the full on terping profile and everything. That's really what I'm looking for. And, you know, if you can't show me that, then I don't know what to tell you. Right. You know? So don't be afraid to ask for the test guys. You know, you're allowed to do that. I used you to have a right to know that. what's going into your body, yeah. what's going into your lungs and yeah. shit. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, I, I didn't know you could do that. I, I would have never thought to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Just ask them, you know, can I see the test results and they should be able to pull it up for you because that's a requirement in the state. Interesting. Uh, yeah. So keep that in mind, guys, you know, um, educating the public thing <laughs> <laughs> and educating me. I appreciate that. Yeah, no problem. You know, that's what the show is about. Um, so the last thing we're going to talk about, and it's actually on the federal side. So one of the federal agencies, and this will be quick, actually, one of the federal agencies um, here in the United States warned us about CBD and its potential harms. Um, and more or less what they're talking about is the lack of oversight and you know how much shady cbd and crap is out there okay and harmful um because that could hurt you and you know some of the stuff that they're advising you on could come from just you know lack of good grows and you know this and that and having a really good place to get it and this is just an example of how lack of regulation can be a bad thing too because mm -hmm. the cbd side it's not regulated very heavily 
as like the illegal, federally illegal cannabis side, the, the, THC, cannabis side, the yeah. THC side. Um, so the risk that they're talking about is it can interact with other drugs and what they call it is an adverse drug interaction. So if you're taking a certain prescription, and I've actually known this for years, mm. it CBD can and will interact with other prescription drugs. So it's a good idea to get with your doctor if you're taking a bunch of prescription pills to ask them if cannabis and CBD is a good idea for you. Yeah, um, you should deal with anything because some things yeah. you can take with even just food or not. Yeah, you know what I mean? There's, exactly. there's reactions that they have milk. It, yeah, you know, it, like, it, it might seem like, oh, that's so scary, but it can be as innocuous as just, a, you know, yeah. don't take this with food for a very good reason. You know yeah. what I mean? Uh, so that's that's interesting. The point you're making, though, is you were saying that that uh, because it's lack of regulation that you're saying there's also like some bad operators there. Like yeah. Putting yeah. out more, more quality CBD as well. Yeah. Yeah. More bad operators and, and good operators. And, you know, a lot of these people aren't truthful and faithful to what they're saying and they're pushing out there. There's a lot of scams. I, I did a short stint at a CBD shop and, you know, you'd get people coming like, Hey, I saw this. It says it's 20 million milligrams and it's $20 and it's, it's a scam. Yeah. You know, it's really not that. So, you know, you got to do your due diligence. If you're somewhere in a shady, ask for the testing results. Mm -hmm. You know, you can still do that on the CBD side. If they can't, then just take your business somewhere else. It's really not that hard unless, you know, you're in a bind and you need to get it. And by all means do what you want to do. Um, I wanted to move on and, and just tell the two last things that they warned on. I guess there's claiming that it can cause liver toxicity hmm. and reproductive and development uh, effects, meaning um, reproductive you know, organs could be affected, meaning, you know, lower sperm count and uh, development effects, meaning, you know, your brain really doesn't stop developing until you're, you know, your mid twenties. Right. And so they could, you know, stop on like the plasticity bit. of your brain. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, that's actually known on the cannabis side too, you know, that you shouldn't be using cannabis under a certain age threshold, even though the age is at 21, um, around mid 25s, your brain really starts to mature. Some people feel it. I felt it when mine kind of started to mature more and, you know, everything changed and my ideas changed and, you know, what I wanted to do changed. So keep that in mind, guys, you know, now again, this comes from the federal government. You know, I don't know what studies they use. You know, the liver toxicity could become could come from the lack of oversight in the CBD industry with, you know, the way that it's growing. There could be heavy pesticide. There could be pesticides in it, heavy metals. You know, they, they could use some other method to try to cure it for testing. So that way, you know, not cure it, but, you know, cure the issue that's, you know, right. that it has with it for testing. And well, it could also just be a very general warning. I mean, it sounds it sounds bad on the face of it, too. But like, yeah, there's. There's reactions to everything. I mean, we yeah. just dealt with this with my youngest son. You know, he has asthma and he has to take some certain medications. And when he has flare-ups, he takes additional medications, which it turns out have, if, if you give him ibuprofen on top of it, if he's de developing a fever and you use it as a fever reducer, has adverse reactions. Something is, you know, nothing is ibuprofen. You yeah, know what I mean? Exactly. So it's the same thing. It's just, it's. I think the warning is just to say like, look, CBD isn't a blanket for everything, for everybody yeah. who's taking everything. Make sure you're checking. Remember, it is a medication. CBD yes. is a medication. THC is a medication. Make sure you're checking those, ad, you know, those, those, I'm sorry, I forgot the word you use, but like when you're using these, if you're going to be using these medicines in combination with one another, make sure they don't have any adverse side effects. And yeah. CBD is no exception. No, at all. No, no, you know, no joke. No, yeah, definitely. And, you know, it's, it's just smart to do that all around, guys, just to make sure that you're not doing something harmful to your body because, the human body is very resilient, but only to a certain point. Sure. We still want you guys around here, and I want you to watch the 
hashtag Grassy Logic every week because that is actually the end of our show. Sweet. That is all the topics I have. And thank you so much, Coco, for joining me this week. Again, where can the people find you at, you know, Four Seas Cannabis and Coco Dean, you know, get the <clears throat> snappy snaps for their, you know, products? You can find me around Las Cruces, dude, at most uh, fast food restaurants. No. <laughs> uh, you, can, you find me at www.fourseascannabis.com or on Instagram, Four Seas Cannabis. Uh, if you message us, it's usually me who will respond. So if you want to, you know, connect with me or chat with me or, you know, talk to me after this or tell me, you know, I said something wrong on here. I'm there for you to hear it, dude. That's cool. Like I'm very easygoing and I'd love to chat about, you know, cannabis. I'd love to chat about, uh, you know, photography, business, whatever, dude. Like I'm, I feel I'm pretty easygoing. So yeah. if you guys have interest after this, fourseedscannabis.com or Instagram at fourseedscannabis. Cool. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate you coming in and having this conversation with me, man. I always have a really good conversation talking to you. You know, it's always laid back and chill and I really love your perspective. So, uh, Maybe sometime, guys, I'll start something called uh, the hashtag Grassy Logic After Show where we'll go to my house or something. We'll smoke and we'll have a little after show and just kind of kick back and bullshit. And, I know. like that. Yeah, yeah. So like that's that. something I've been you know, thinking about and I think I want to implement that here soon. So uh, keep in tune for that. And um, I'll see you guys next week on hashtag Grassy Logic and I'll get you guys a topic and everything around then. So I'll see you again. Shoots. <laughs>